Mindfulness Mode 285. It's like a cool fire that comes over you. It's so powerful. It's the most powerful energy in the human body. Hey, Mindful Tribe, thanks for joining me again today. Always a pleasure to have you with us. We have been having the most beautiful winter snowy weather here in Canada. Now, I have to say, not everybody enjoys it, but I sure do. I love the cold. I love the snow. It's so refreshing. To me, there's something mindful about it. I I just truly look forward to it. I hope you're enjoying life wherever you are. Last time on the show, we talked about how you can keep your brain sharp and clear even as you grow older. And as humans, one of our challenges is avoiding dementia or Alzheimer's. And even just, you know, our brain, when it kind of slows down, we forget things. The processing isn't as sharp. Well, my guest last time was author of The Better Brain Solution. He's a doctor. He's a heart and brain expert, Dr. Stephen Masley. If you didn't hear this episode, I encourage you to swing back and listen to mindfulnessmode.com slash 284. Guess what? I'm so excited. My son, Ben, and I worked last week on my website, mindfulnessmode.com. Two of the things we accomplished was updating the player to make sure you can listen to the episodes on your phone, on your iPad, on any device at all. And also, we updated the comments section below the show notes on every episode so it's easy for you to leave comments. And... That's really important to me, if you can leave comments. And they can be just short, you know, a few words, but comments can add to the credibility, you know what I mean? And it it just gives me the feeling, hey, somebody's actually out there listening. And sometimes when I'm in my studio recording these podcasts, it, it feels like, you know, who's really listening? I can look at the stats, but hearing a comment from you is so much better and I would love it if you'd leave me a comment I'll give give you a shout out and read it on one of my upcoming episodes so all you do to leave a comment just go to mindfulnessmode.com click on any episode and leave a comment at the bottom just scroll down leave a comment that will help to boost my views and helps like I said with the credibility and oh here by the way here's a recent comment left on iTunes by T Chan Games this person said let me start off by saying that mindfulness and medit- meditation can be a bit difficult to do true enough i encourage you to stay consistent and keep doing it every day it's made my life my calm and my focus. Bruce does a great job to keep pushing you to try it out. (laughs) Well, thank you for that comment, T-Chan Games. Today, I am bringing you a beautiful yoga expert who is deeply gifted and sincerely passionate. Yoga is her entire life, and even more than that, sharing yoga is her life. Sit back, relax, and enjoy today's episode focusing on yoga. 
Reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness on Mindfulness Mode with me, your host and Mindfulness Life Coach, Bruce Langford. Hey, if you have any interest in yoga at all, you are going to simply love today's episode because we're focusing on that topic. And with me, I have the very person that you know, would be the best person ever to talk to about this topic. And we have her here. It's Mariko Hirakawa. Mariko, I'm so excited to be here. And we just talked about how your last name, Hirakawa, means peaceful river. Yes. That is beautiful. Are you in mindfulness mode today, Mariko? Yes, I'm attuned to that space, Bruce. Thank you. Thank you for creating a sanctuary. Beautiful. Yeah, and it is such a pleasure to have you here. I'm going to share a little bit about you with Mindful Tribe first. Mariko Hirakawa is an internationally known yoga Ayurveda expert with over 26 years of teaching experience. Now that is hard to believe looking at you here <laughs> as I as I sit here on Zoom looking at your face. She is the founder of Visionary Yoga, a personal development company dedicated to accelerating the growth of motivated individuals and companies. But here's a very interesting piece of information. Mariko is a former professional ballet dancer. So I can't wait to talk about that. And she's also an Ayurveda physician trained in India. She's dedicated to positioning yoga as something far, far beyond fitness. This is actually a technology for human consciousness evolution. So that's a beautiful phrase, human consciousness evolution. Well, I'd like to start here, Mariko, with this question. What does mindfulness mean to you? Oh, that's such a rich question, and I have like layers of answers. Um, first, I think... Mindfulness is the ability to go meta on yourself. That means to become aware of awareness itself, to be to see your own seeing, to know the inner knower. Um, and beyond that, it's also, you know, between things that happen to us and our response, between stimuli and response, there's always a, a, a pause, like a moment, an opportunity. And I believe mindfulness is the ability to recognize it, to seize that opportunity and to uh, make empowering choices um, in that moment. I think it's a very highly skilled thing, you know, to heighten awareness. And it's also about um, seeing others through the eyes of, I call it the eye of the heart, to see with compassion and understanding, to understand that everybody's in a different level of evolution. Um, and it's also to um, behave and say, you know, appropriately in each moment. Right. And, you know, as you talked, I was thinking about, you know, your your mention of awareness and becoming aware of your awareness. Yes. Do you think we can ever be too intent? Do you think we can ever, you know, just be trying too hard to be aware? I think it's possible. Sometimes uh, squeezing actually can... Um, that, that makes us contracted. So actually it makes us more reactive rather than when you're actually let go and open up is, is much more conducive. So it's a, it's a delicate state, right? So that's why it's such a, one of the definitions I love about yoga is yoga is skill in action. And part of it is 
um, finding that right middle place between um, being alert and being relaxed. Mariko, for you, which came first, yoga or dance? Dance, definitely. Yes, I was at two years old, about two and a half years old. Um, my, you know, I was like, my parents took me to a dance performance and they found me like dancing up and down the aisles. They said, this girl has to go into a dance school. And so I started dancing at the age of about two and a half, three. Oh, so you went to a dance school at, at that young age? Yes, yes. And it was just kind of like, it was so natural for me. And um, I, 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 because I was like raising my leg and things even before I, 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 you know, so they thought this girl has to like, we have to, we have to do something with this energy. <laughs> yes. Yes. So you, you danced and at what point did you realize you wanted to be a professional dancer? Hmm. I think that dance is something that really became a path for me pretty early on. And, um, I didn't really think about, you know, doing it to make a living or anything, but I think, you know, around 14, 15, I started to realize, wow, this is, I saw the older dancers and, and the road they were headed and uh, realized this is where I'm going. <laughs> At the moment, it was the only thing I knew that it was my world, you know, so I wanted to pursue walking that road. And when you were in your teens, did you begin becoming immersed in yoga or did that come later? Yoga came when I hit um, what I call the dark night of my soul with the dance path. It was um, so I had a purpose crisis at about age 19 when I was actually like dancing in a company in New York City. And that was like my goal, right? I was living my dream of many years. Um, but something inside me started to question the purpose, like, what is my dancing? Like I was spending nine to 10 hours a day in the studio, pouring my sweat and blood into this discipline. And, um, you know, I was living for the applause at the end of the performance from a darkened audience. And at a certain point in the beginning, it was great. But as it went on, I felt there was something missing that um, I didn't feel that my I was living my full expression. And um, as soon as I started to ask, you know, what's the purpose of my dancing, uh, everything kind of fell apart. And um, it was like I had my blinds on like this. And when the blinds were taken off, I felt so incredibly lost. It was really an existential crisis at like age 19, you know, and uh, I um, one day I just could not go to a dance class. It's just I couldn't face myself in the mirror. And uh, it was like the self-loathing. I'd become so intense, and uh, uh, so I didn't go to that class. I turned the corner, and um, lo and behold, there was a yoga studio that I had walked by many times probably, but I didn't really notice it then. And uh, I thought, well, I need to do something with my body today. Maybe uh, this will, this yoga thing will, you know, will do. And um, at the end of that class, I was just uh, amazed to experience in that shavasana, uh, lying relaxation that my body felt like it was a body of light. And it really amazed me because I thought I knew my body very well as a dancer. But mm -hmm. that experience of uh, my body shimmering with pulsations of I don't know what was just um, a revelation to me. It was like a whole new level opened up. And when I spoke to the uh, yoga studio owners, um, they pointed to the photo of 
um, a woman and a man on the altar, and they said, well, this is their grace. And I said, what? <laughs> I, I was really not ready to hear about gurus, but it piqued my curiosity. And when I heard that she was living like upstate New York, two hours away, I said, I've got to meet this woman. <laughs> you know? mm -hmm. So I um, booked myself um, at, at 10 days at this ashram without even knowing what it is. I said, well, if I want to find this out, I would really want to know. And um, it was uh, when I arrived, it was um, such a modern facility. It had computers. It was like shiny, uh, you know, stainless steel. And I thought, gosh, my, my concept of ashram was like shattered. Um, and, and I was ready to turn around and leave. Um, and I was judging everything, but um, in that moment, the sliding doors opened, and this woman from head to toe uh, walked in, and, and there's a hush came over the entire place. It was July 4th, 1991, I'll never forget. Um, so there were some festivities going on, but suddenly there was a pin drop silence, <laughs> and um, she walked up to a few people and chatted. Uh, people were just laughing nervously, and then much to my surprise, she came right to me and uh, stood right in front of me, um, looked me in the eye, and uh, said, so you just arrived <laughs> this very melodious voice <laughs> and i just like burst open i i don't know what happened i just her energy field was so powerful and so i uh i, I just couldn't answer her you know anybody else i would have said yeah of course can't you see my suitcase is right here you know <laughs> but i thought she, i felt she was asking me like god i've been waiting for you for lifetimes and eons and you know you've been on all these, been seeking this in so many different ways, you finally arrived. That's what I felt she was asking. Wow. <laughs> and you'd had arrived. And had you meditated before that point? Was that part of your life? No. As a dancer, you know, dance was my path. And um, I always had a very active imagination. Um, and so in, you know, in that one yoga class that I took, I, I found it very hard to meditate, except this at the very end, when after doing all those poses, my body was so open and, and experiencing that shimmering body, I, I didn't know what it was called, you know, and, and I realized that was really a meditative state. I didn't know it then. Right. And so in the during the two weeks, I'm sure you did a lot of meditating. Is that true? Yes. Well, during those two weeks, it was such a crucible by fire. I mean, one by one, my uh, preconceptions of it was i had all these concepts about what it is to be spiritual uh what it is to be what a spiritual place is what a spiritual master is i mean i had all these ideas about uh spirituality and one by one it was like being stripped away and stripped mm -hmm. away and stripped away and i had a lot of you know um skepticism as well and doubts and um so it was not like a blissful stay <laughs> it was mm -hmm. very it was like trial by fire but i felt very much taken under wing by uh, this master and um, several times I got to sit very close and I feel I received a transmission of energy during that time and so uh, having received that meditation was effortless. Oh wow so that transmission of energy has that remained with you ever since? Yes yes it's a it's almost like a seed one has to water every day by daily practice and uh, so it is um, in the yoga tradition, it's called Shaktipat. 
It literally means the descent of energy, shakti, the universal energy, and put means to fall. So it's the descent of shakti. And uh, so having received that, uh, meditation became effortless. But before that, it was struggling with a monkey mind and, you know, achy body parts here and there. And um, so I can say it was the shakti that that receiving that made it like you can glide into meditation effortlessly. Well, that is really something I'm sure a lot of listeners are listening to you thinking, how could you go from one extreme to the other, of being barely able to meditate at all, to suddenly it became effortless? Can you describe why and how that could have happened? Well, I think before receiving that energy, it was my subtle energy was very imbalanced and for most of us it is you know and that's why in yoga uh, really the all the yoga that's done here in the west is called is really a form of hatha yoga hatha means the right and left the the solar and the lunar channels of the body and so what happens when you receive this this energy is the right and left uh, channels they get absolutely equilibrated. And when that happens, the central channel opens, and this is called the Sushumna channel. And when that central channel opens and the Kundalini begins its ascent, there is, uh, it's like a cool fire that comes over you. It's so powerful. It's the most powerful energy in the human body. And that is we in in um, yoga we have this expression jud and chaitanya one is dead coal and one is the live coal and when you receive the energy it's like everything it's turned on and and like the hairs on the back of your neck stand on end and there's that kind of intense awakening that happens in your nervous system and uh, so that's um there are yogas that, like Kundalini yoga, where you know the, the goal is to awaken your own Kundalini energy. But um, when you receive that energy from the master, um, it's the most effortless thing, and it's the safest way, I believe. I don't practice Kundalini yoga, so I can't um, speak for that. But um, my experience is um, receiving it from a fully enlightened being is the most um, safest way, and it's the path of grace. Mm. Wow, I'm just amazed at your wisdom in this field of yoga. When did you then decide to open your own training facility and decide to make that your life rather than dance? Gosh, I think, well, as soon as um, having encountered uh, my, you know, this being, I realized that it was like, I always think of my life as before before having met her and after having met her. And um, there was a period where, you know, I, I wasn't dancing and I wasn't really doing, you know, anything uh, to earn a living. So when, I, when it came for me to choose my profession, I thought, well, I want to stay in this path and I want to use my natural talents. So I felt, you know, naturally as a dancer, I had some physical facility. And um, so I decided, well, it's the next, the easiest effortless thing is to teach people this uh, physical modality that is called yoga. And I started to teach privately one-on-one uh, -on -one clients. And when I started about two and a half years into that, I started to attract um, like uh, terminally ill patients, uh, terminally ill cancer patients, Alzheimer patients, uh, Parkinson patients um, and I didn't know why but it just happened like that and um, it was 
such a huge challenge for me. I, you know, I didn't feel I was qualified to take on such a heavy case, but um, I saw that they did receive some relief, but there was a fire in me that was ignited when um, a few of my clients passed away. And I thought, gosh, I, I, I need to deepen my knowledge. And uh, so I started to turn one rock over the, after another. I studied energy medicine and studied shiatsu and studied Chinese. I went to Chinese medical school for a few years. Um, but then when I found Ayurvedic medicine, I realized it was like so synergistic with yoga in that they spoke the same language and they came from the same tradition. So that's... Um, uh, so one kind of led into the other, but uh, I, I it was it was in seeking something that that brought me from yoga to from dance to yoga and yoga to Ayurveda. Mariko, I can imagine the answer to this question, but I want to hear it from you. Yeah. If I were to walk into your studio in New York City and say to you, I've never done yoga, I don't know much about it, but I want to learn and I want to become immersed in this, how would my experience be different with you than it might be in some other yoga studios? So if you were to walk in as a complete beginner, um, well, I really, you know, even beginners have very different beginning points, right? So I recognize that because I do teach a fundamentals class and there's a huge range of where people come from. So I really believe yoga is meant to be a one-on-one. -on -one. In the very beginning, I think it's really nice to have a one-on-one. -on -one. And so I know where you come from and what you're seeking from yoga. Um, and, and that's why I would you know, maybe start with a little short interview to know what is your, you know, what is your intention with starting yoga? And from there we go. But I always include the inner awareness piece in yoga because I think that deep down people are seeking fulfillment and inner peace um, in whatever they do. And uh, they might think that they're coming for just becoming more flexible or, you know, becoming more agile. But um it's, it's when they experience yoga, actually, at the very end, what they always tell me is, gosh, I really love that uh, meditation or that relaxation or that ability to kind of be with themselves in that expanded state. And so I understand that you have some different ways of promoting your work and, uh, you know, sharing what you have to offer with people and what are some of those ways how do you spread the word about what you do so that people will come to you and be in the right place yeah um well i have several places where i you know have a tribe one is with instagram and you know one is with of course my email list and and through facebook and those social media outlets but um i really love to have people experience my work. And so I have been offering the five-day visionary yoga challenge, which is a, um, a taste of my 30-day larger course. But um, so with this approach, it's about using yoga to bring a, a subtler awareness into your day-to-day. -day. And, and, and by it's, I always find the parallel between the physical movements and life principles, you know? So for example, when you're doing this spiral or the twists, um, that spiral represents, you know, our evolutionary urge or moving into our next level, you know? And, and 
all these physical movements are also metaphors for life as well. So the five-day visionary yoga challenge is kind of a, a poetic uh, sessions um, that where it's very beginner friendly as well. And each day with a different theme of um, how to open your body and bring that level of awareness to your day-to-day life. And is there any way our listeners could get involved with that five-day visionary yoga? Absolutely. Uh, it's just uh, on the website. It's uh, www.visionaryyogachallenge.com. And uh, it's just like a, a online course. And uh, it's completely free of charge. And I made it available because I recognize many, for many people, the barrier to entry is you know, being in a studio with other people and feeling very self-conscious. And I wanted to create something where people feel safe and in starting, and it is a step-by-step, day-by-day practice. So I hope people can take advantage of that. It sounds excellent. VisionaryYogaChallenge.com. I highly recommend going to that and uh, checking it out. And I want to ask you a question, Mariko, about bullying. Have you ever been bullied? Have you ever experienced this? Do you have a story you can share where mindfulness would have made a difference? Yes, I have several. Um, When I first came to this country, I was nine and a half years old. And um, we were in upstate New York where um, there's very... At that time, there were very few ethnic people. And I think my sister and I were the only, you know, Asian kids in entire elementary school. And um, it was actually a boom because, you know, we got so much attention from the teachers. And I think that made a few of the other kids jealous. And, uh, you know, in the beginning, we have in the very morning, every morning we had to put our hand on our heart and say the a pledge allegiance to the United States of America. Right. And um, those are some, you know, advanced words like individual, <laughs> you, know, <laughs> yes. you know, those words I couldn't pronounce, but I phonetically kind of memorized it for after a few months. And um, I was just mouthing it, you know, and these two kids who were sitting across from the table. Um, they were like sneering at me and they started to push the table towards me saying, you don't know what, you know, you don't know what it means. You can't say it. And, you know, they started to like push me. And, and, uh, Mm. um, at that moment I I felt so humiliated and helpless. Um, I didn't know how to counter that because, you know, we were supposed to say this and the teacher was oblivious. And, um, so I let it get to me and I was so, I, I just kind of just sat there holding my tears back. But, um, I think, the my you know if, if it were me now i would probably see that these kids were you know they were just acting out of jealousy and um kids can be quite cruel and 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 it's really tough because when you are a child you're not equipped with the level of self-awareness and self-confidence that uh that allows you to fight back or to say something um and i didn't have the words even i didn't know the language well enough to just fight back like that so it was a it was the first experience of being bullied um as you know and I was older than these kids uh, because I was demoted to grades because I couldn't speak any English and uh, yeah so it was a it was a tough time but um I think you know it's life gives us experience and it, it made me more determined to learn English I work really hard to uh to master the language and I think it it kind of drove me in that path. 
Right. Wow. Yeah. It sounds humiliating to have gone through that. Thanks for sharing that with us. Yeah. Well, I want to ask you five quick answer questions. And the first one is this, who is one person who has influenced your mindfulness? Mm, I would say it's my it's my spiritual teacher, Gurumai Chidvelasananda, uh, absolutely without a doubt. She opened the door to mindfulness. Wonderful. How has mindfulness affected your emotions? Great question. Um, it really stabilized my, uh, my inner world. And with that came much greater confidence in, uh, because it gives you self-control uh, when you have control of your inner state. Tell us how breathing is part of your mindfulness, Mariko. Definitely. Um, I'm amazed that, um, you know, more dance uh, techniques don't incorporate the breathing, but breath is, has its own innate energy. So inhalation is actually called inspiration and inhalation is literally receiving new energy from the universe and exhalation is, I call it the liberating breath, the cleansing breath, the releasing breath. And for me, um, it's a very underused resource that we all have. You know, it's, it's, it's so close. And yet, because it's always there, we tend to be blind to it. And so um, ancient systems like yoga and all of the mystical uh, traditions really use the breath as a doorway. And the more we can be aware of it moment by moment, I think the more it enhances our quality of life and the quality of our the way we show up into yeah, life. For sure. Can you recommend a book which is related to mindfulness? Oh, I know my many, many books, but uh, one book I love from my own heritage is Zen Mind, Beginner's Mind by uh, Shinryu Suzuki because uh, everything, to master anything requires repetition, you know? And when the more you repeat things, the more it feels like, I know this, I get this, I, I and but that I knowness limits you in a way because um, when you know something, you become close to it. So one of the things I always challenge myself in teaching also is to always adopt the the beginner's mindset of curiosity and wondering, and and that's why I love teaching beginners too because I get to be in it with them. Right, right. And do you recommend an app which helps with mindfulness? Yes, I'm not a huge app person, but I, I've been using this app called Relax Melodies, where you can mix and choose these different sound effects. Um, it really helps when I um, have one project that I want to focus on. I don't want any distractions like writing. I use Relax Melodies to just tune out the world and be in this, create my own soundscape. Right. Well, Mariko, it's been very, very awesome talking with you. And your, uh, your challenge is going to be wonderful for our listeners. And again, that's visionaryyogachallenge.com. And can you tell us how we can connect with you, how we can follow you on Instagram, how we can you know, learn more about what you do? Absolutely. Well, on Instagram, it's just Instagram forward slash visionary yoga. And on, I have a, a, a page in Facebook that's uh, Mariko Yoga, uh, facebook.com forward slash Mariko Yoga. And I would invite everyone to join my Facebook group as well. Uh, it's Facebook, uh, just um, Visionary Yoga and Wellness Facebook private page. And I would love to um, invite, invite you all to join us. I'll be doing some live trainings in there too. So. 
Oh, thank you very much for that. Well, I've really appreciated being with you today, Mariko, and I want to thank you so much for sharing with Mindful Tribe. Thank you so much, Bruce. You create, you have such a, a way that puts everyone at ease, and I've been loving your listening to your podcast as well. So thank you for the bringing mindfulness to so many countries and, and, and so much needed in the world. Thank you. My pleasure. And all the best to you for the rest of the day and the rest of the weekend. Thank you. Okay, bye now. Take care. Bye. Hey, Mindful Tribe. At the beginning of the episode today, I mentioned about my new show notes section at the bottom of each episode. If you would leave a comment on this show, I would so much appreciate it. Just go to mindfulnessmode.com slash 285 and scroll to the bottom and you'll see the comments section. And if you would just fill out the info, put in a short comment or long one if you want to, I will give a shout out to you regarding that comment on an upcoming episode. Thanks a lot. If you've enjoyed this podcast, you could help us out by subscribing to Mindfulness Mode wherever you listen. Maybe it's iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, wherever. Hit subscribe and share. Subscribing and sharing helps keep Mindfulness Mode on the air. Subscribe and share, share, share. Till next time, Mindful Tribe, use what we've learned today to reach new heights of calm, focus and happiness. Stay in the mode.